Pop quiz for you, Crypto. Yeah. What do blizzards represent in Russian literature? Uh, cold? Wait a minute. <laughs> now <Gold>? it's American. <laughs> Go- Gogol? <laughs> All right. Welcome to the Codex Cantina, where I am Una. I'm Crypto. Uh, see you really fast. I'm Crypto. And today we are covering Nikolai Gogol's The Overcoat, also sometimes called The Cloak. If you are new to the Codex Cantina, what we do is we go heavy into detail, bringing out a lot of the thematic elements, as well as maybe some of the hidden meanings and interpretations behind the pieces that we read. If you're down for literature discussions like that, please hit that subscribe button. And as always, we start off with publication information, and we'll leave a link down in the description below for you to be able to read this for free. The Overcoat, sometime referred to as The Cloak, was published by Nikolai Gogol in 1842 and has since been adapted to film stage music and other forms of productions and I can't tell you how bad I would want to see this as a play now this was well received even by Vladimir Nabokov who claimed this to be the greatest Russian short story ever written you will see the quotes up on the page by Constance Garnett but also I have a translation by Pivir and Volohansky one thing we should talk about first is this short story is very self-aware it takes a lot of the Russian tropes and exaggerates them and plays up a lot of the Russian themes all right so some of the themes explored in this are fate old versus new treating others with respect regardless of rank and governmental bureaucracy We're going to cover those a little bit in our discussion section. Now, in terms of why this is assigned today, I I think both in terms of the narration work in this is a masterclass and just brilliant narrator work, but also in terms of periodic uh, sentences where the you have a lot of description and things brought in, but the point is made very clear as the final part of the sentence. You get a lot of that here in this work. Either way, this is such a wonderful piece to assign to students that I just... mm, Mm, this is a good story yeah it definitely brings out a lot of the good russian themes and i thought it was uh well executed so in terms of plot we have an unnamed narrator who pulls us aside the reader aside and tells us a tale of an unspecified person and department we are introduced to akaki basmachkin try my best (laughs) good job a low-level wallpaper of a clerk There's nothing unique about him other than his absent-mindedness of himself, but not to others. In his tattered and torn coat, Akaki's ridiculous name is explained, and he sits eternally in a position doing mindless copying, wanting to do no more. Akaki is the ridicule of his co-workers with his tattered and torn overcoat. He likes doing his mundane job of copying and freaks out when asked to do any more. He has since resigned to doing his simple copying task day in, day out. Akaki approaches his friend, neighbor, and tailor Petrovich to mend his jacket due to the ridicule that he receives. However, Petrovich has his standards. He declares it unrepairable and that he must instead purchase a new one. We learn that Akaki is super poor at this time and all of his money is basically spoken for. He starts to starve himself, not use candles at night, Really self-imposed suffering to get this bargain bin priced overcoat out of his friend. Dun, dun, dun. And upon arriving at work with his new coat, everyone is shocked at Akaki's new overcoat. And it kind of reminds me of that scene from American Psycho. Remember, like, the business cards? (laughs) He flips it out. (laughs) Yeah, I remember that. So they throw a party that evening for Akaki's overcoat. (laughs) On the way home, however... He is robbed. He asks for help from the local watchman and superintendent, but receives no help. And he returns to work in his old coat. He's urged to not go to the police, but to the important person instead. Mm. However, the important person tells him he should have gone through the proper channels in order to talk with him. Akaki walks home in a snowstorm and soon dies of a fever. 
He has no possessions and is quickly replaced at his job. He haunts the streets of St. Petersburg as a ghost. <laughs> and in the aftermath story, the, uh, the very important person is having fun at a party, visiting some mistresses, but feels a little distraught about how he, trot, he uh, treated a, kek, a cocky. And at the end, we have a ghost that kind of appears that is not a cocky and might leave some people scratching their heads as to what the heck this ending means. Let's get talking about this in the uh, discussion section. That was definitely a... Uh... A twist there from this very simple story to supernatural just like that. He definitely likes to have a supernatural creepy tr- twist, I would say, at the end, but also starts out with some comedy and stuff like that. So it's he's an interesting writer. So let's talk about the narrator to begin with, because I feel like the narrator is what makes this piece work, right? He's very interesting. He's willing to take risks and say, hey, you know, come here. Let me tell you this story about this this crooked system that I want to, you know, I don't want anyone else to know about. And I think even some of the work that he does in terms of talking about like, well, now that we brought up the wife, we got to tell the wife because this is a short story and that's what you do. Like there's just very, there's just very humorous moments with this narrator. Is there not? Oh, yeah, definitely. It, it It's strange that the story is so funny in the beginning and then becomes so dire at the end infamously this line right here so after all of his co-workers are making fun of him and he just takes it and you're like okay so this is a character that's just going to take it you you, you don't view him as a creature with feelings until this line and the poor young man would bury his face in his hands and many a time in his life he shuddered to see how much inhumanity there is in a man how much savage coarseness is concealed in refined, cultivated manners. And God, even in a man the world regards as noble and honorable. And very quickly, that sets up the twist for us now to start seeing that this actually is more of a tragic tale and we do need to feel for Akaki as opposed to him just being the wallpaper punching bag at work for his torn and tattered coat. Yeah, if that doesn't hit you in the heartstrings, oof. I don't know what you've been reading. <laughs> so let's talk about Akaki's names here because I did a little bit of research. I don't know if you look this up at all, but very clearly the narrator doing his awesome narration work kind of jokes at his name. And I'm like, okay, is there more to this name than what the translation is letting us, um, you know, people who are seeing it translated into English know? Yeah, I looked up a little bit. And one of the things that uh, they said that, that uh, his name is a variation on the word shoe in Russian. And I thought that, that was kind of funny because the whole time he's being like stepped on. Yeah, the last name is kind of like just taking it, right? Yeah. But even his first name, just we we get it in the translation, Akaki Akakevich, that that's kind of like John Johnson just with this <laughs> article I said, which is, which is funny. And I think we get that. We kind of assume that when we're reading this. But yeah. what we don't get in that translation is that apparently the name sounds strikingly similar to the word obkakat. In Russian, which means to smear with excrement. Poopy. Right? Kaka, which means poop, thereby rendering his name Poop Poopson. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's trickery. That's so good. That's very subtle. No. Well, not only that, here's another layer. The literal meaning of his name, though, the Akakia Kakeyevich, is derived from the Greek, and it means harmless or lacking evil. So to be yeah. under someone's thumb, to lack evil, poop, pooperson, you know, the wallpaper of the story. There's tons of just punch behind this name that we didn't really get without doing a little bit of extra work into what these names could be translated to. Yeah, if you're reading this in Russian, you're immediately laughing like, oh, my God, I can't believe that guy is that name. And if it had been translated to poop, pooperson, 
whatever, <laughs> it, with the English version, kids would be eating this up. You're like, oh my God, I read this story in school today and the guy's name was Poop Poopson. <laughs> I'm telling you, and that would have to be one of the lines if this were translated into like an American play. Like that, that would just be hysterical. But yeah. all of this is to what end? And I think that comes down to the patronymic system that Russians have with how they get their names from their fathers and such. They're saying that you're going to be put into this lot in life and there's nothing that you can do to change it. And that's going to be some of the fatalistic and bureaucratic things that are going to be explored in the story is, is being put into a position and what that position means to others as you meet and interact with others. It's that Russian trope of that you are locked into your class and that you're going to stay there and it doesn't matter what you do in your life, you're stuck there. At one point, we thought Akaki was going to move up, right? He got that new coat at the end of the, the first act, if you will. Like if this were two acts and you had the intermission, like him him at that party is the high point of the first act, right? And you thought he was going to move up. Now he's got this coat. Now he's a new man. Yeah, I mean, if that was a had a happy ending or if this was made into, I don't know, an American movie, that would definitely be the point where like, all right, it's going to turn around and he's going to get the girl and he's going to get a promotion and things are going to look up. And no, <laughs> that's not what happens. When does he lose his coat? When he leaves. In a... Blizzard. As in, to our previous point, it was fate that he would have to lose that coat and be stuck in his current class. Spending months preparing to to save up for this coat aka the answer to my first question to you is what does a blizzard represent in russian literature i guess your ranking is an inescapable fate and that was popularized by your boy pushkin and that's just russian literature specifically russian literature yeah he popularized okay. uh, a blizzard being a fate an inescapable means of of, of events if you will and, and we'll go more into the blizzard uh, i have that scheduled for february of 2021 <laughs> of course you do surprising he is stuck in this position because of the blizzard because of his fate he loses his coat right so old versus new is another thing that we need to talk about with this. I felt like here this was kind of a changing of the guards for Russian ideals where you have the old thought process to the new thought process of, of what Russian society is going to be and that it's starting to move towards that idea of, of consumerism and that the individual might be important and where Akaki is stuck in the past and he is thinking, no, I'm just, I'm, I'm a cog in the wheel and I'm just going to do my thing, keep my head down and I'm going to go on my life like most Russians do. And other people are like, no, you got to get a new coat and you got to move up and you, you've got to want for yourself. And he doesn't fit into that new ideal. So you brought up a lot of points there. So one in terms of the individual in that process. So Akaki was given, he, so he's a copier. He copies, he doesn't create new. He just takes and copies old stuff in, into something new, right? And when he was given the opportunity to do something new, he freaked out. He didn't like it. He didn't want to move up to your point that you're kind of talking about right now. And that's a kind of a direct comparison, I feel like, to Petrovich, right? Because his friend Petrovich, the tailor, took a lot of pride in being able to create a new overcoat, right? It was dishonored, besmirching the the craft of of what he did if he were to try to mend that tattered old coat. There was value in him creating this new thing. And it was hysterical to me when he was watching 
a cocky walk off with a new coat and he like scurries around to the other side of the street to like watch a cocky come towards him so he can watch the coat from the other angle <laughs> yeah well, i think it has a lot to do with their actual job status where one is more of an artist and the other is not where an artist is going to want to see things improve and change for the betterment of all and akaki doesn't care about that stuff well and you'd think he would because akaki represents uh, he's lower class yeah he's representing the average russian citizen is he average i don't even know if he's average or not but i know he's He's definitely on the lower income level, right? It's taking him months to save up for this coat. Maybe maybe a little bit lower class, but I mean, that probably is a majority of very uh, typical Russian people. It's interesting, too, that this piece is called the cloak. It's not called a khaki. It's not called the copiary or the titular counselor. It's called the overcoat, right? It's named after the product the outward manifestation as opposed to the character itself. It's it's the image that society sees of you as opposed to the person itself is, is another way of looking at that too, no? Yeah, definitely. And that the item itself is covering up one and they're cloaking themselves from what others see. It's hiding who he really is. And at the beginning of the story, you see who he truly is. He has his battered, tattered coat. And that's who he is, I think, internally. And when he puts the new one on, it's fake. And it's immediately taken from him. Because it doesn't represent really who he is. Let's talk about some of the bureaucracy at the time. Because we talk about how he's lower class or representative of maybe how many Russians are poor, at least. Maybe that's a better way to describe it. Because that titular counselor, counselor is an important part of how the Russian hierarchy worked back then. Are you like I don't know how familiar you are. But are you familiar with some of the the title of ranks? I don't know all the titles of ranks. No. No, no, I, I don't know all of them either. But there's <laughs> there's an article I can put down below that, that that lists all the table of ranks for Russian classes, and it, this was kind of established by uh, Peter the Great many many years before this, and it was reformed to several, several times over. But he's on the lower end when you look at what a titular counselor ranking is. Sometimes it's the lowest. Sometimes it's ninth out of 14. In the article I'm going to list, it's ninth out of 14. But it's showing that while he's not even the bottom, he still can't even afford the bare necessities of life. That this can even be talking to the Russian government saying that they aren't taking care of their people. Their people can't even afford the bare necessities that they need in life. Number 14 is a junker. (laughs) That's crazy. <laughs> secretary, secretary. Wow, a naval secretary is 11th. So he's higher than that. And he still can barely afford this overcoat, right? And they take a quick stab, I feel like, at the the aristocracy with the faceless snuff box, right? How they they take the tobacco out. You're coming to the government for what you need. It's it's barely enough. And it's got this faceless government in charge because the, the guy's face is covered up in the front. There's a couple of shots taken at, I feel like, the, the bureaucracy in this. Well, I think that our buddy here, Gogol, is taking inspiration from his buddy Pushkin of writing out against the atrocities of the government and saying, look, you have somebody here that works in the government that is ranked in the government and he can't even afford a coat. How are other people supposed to afford and take care of themselves? They're not doing their job and and they're not taking care of you, the people. Well, and, and that's really hammered home with when Akaki starts asking for help, right? Because he asks the landlady for help and what does she do? Well, she, she directs him to the, the other class people that can help where she is not even ranked as he is he goes to the watchman on duty when he was robbed what's the watchman do 
Oh, you got to go see the important person. <laughs> he looks important, but does nothing, right? Like, yeah, he assumes no fault and basically says, oh, you got to go. You got to go file a report. So next he goes to the superintendent. Yeah, this is the guy that's like sleeping all the time, right? And he doesn't want to deal with him at all. Well, the secretaries wouldn't let him see him. And then they finally, when Akaki says, hey, I'm a big important person. If you don't let me see him or else, like faking authority, right? That's when they're like, oh, okay, well, you can go see the superintendent. The superintendent meets with him and realizes that he's just a titular counselor. He's lower level in terms of class. What are you doing here? Get out of here. I'm not going to help you. And he starts kind of questioning him of what were you doing over here on this date and time? Like kind of turning it around once he realized that he was of higher rank. He's not going to help someone that's such a low rank or take his time or waste his time on someone like Akaki. Yeah. I think it's important, though, to note that at that time he is successful for a moment. He does get to go able and talk to him. And I think that's showing that the Russian people can make change, but it's going to be very difficult. Well, it's only when he kind of faked authority to get in, though, too. So does change only come from authority? Oh, definitely. I think that's what he's pushing at. Now, when we speak of authority, hey, we're in this unnamed place. I'm not going to tell you the department, but there's also a really important person. We finally get to the important person, right? And what happens when Akaki talks to this important person? (laughs) Nothing. Yeah, why didn't you follow the process? You know, the guy used to be unimportant, but now he's important. And he's like, why didn't you follow the process? You could have given it to this person who would hand it to that person who would eventually hand it to me. And it's just kind of it's just kind of mocking the way things kind of go up and, and kind of approved or moved around when it just ends up directly at him anyway. Why, why couldn't I just hand it to you directly anyways? Like, he's like, why don't you follow the process? It's just really funny to me. It's kind of heartbreaking too, though, right? Because he'd followed the rules the whole time. He did his job. He didn't ever want to change. He copied exactly what he was supposed to. And then when something bad happens to him, they won't do anything for the guy that had followed the rules his whole life. And then he has to try to break the rules to get things fixed. And the guy was like, look, if you just follow the rules like this guy over here who's doing this copying, you would have been fine. He's like, wait, wait a minute. I, 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 I'm that guy. Well, and these people are arguably much like the overcoat. They look important and have surface appearances but they do nothing on the inside, right? Superintendent didn't help. The watchman didn't help. The landlady didn't even help. They're all pointing to, you got to go over there. And Akaki just can't get any help or respect from anyone in any level of of the bureaucracy. It's all facade. It's all shell game. All right, so let's move on to the ending. What do you think about the ending? I love the ending. I thought that, he nailed it again with this this twist, and I, I love the twists like that. And again, when you get it to be a supernatural twist, that's just going to be killer for me. Uh, it was it was out of left field. I felt like I was not expecting that at all, even though that we know that uh, Gogol writes those kind of twists into his story. But I mm-hmm. felt like that it almost felt out of place. Like, what was his purpose of making it this sci-fi supernatural element at the end? To me, I extrapolated this in the same way that I think we ought to extrapolate that scene in A Christmas Carol when he's visited by Marley. Because after being visited by the ghost who is haunted by the sins that he created and forged in life, okay, he went out and looked out the window and saw tons of other ghosts over all of London, right? Yeah. Here... We have Akaki haunts St. Petersburg because of the mistreatment and the way that he wasn't given attention in real life. He now must take attention and take overcoats to bring awareness to his fellow St. Petersburg patrons, right? 
Yeah. We learn, though, it's not just Akaki. When we see this other ghost, we learn that it's a societal issue that people are being ignored and not taken care of. I feel like that you could think about it like this whole story wasn't even about Akake, and it isn't even about the overcoat, that it was all a prologue to get up to this point to say, this guy is doing wrong. But he's being done wrong, you're saying, right? Like Akake yeah, didn't yeah, yeah. do wrong. He had been done wrong. Yeah, and, and that he isn't even the main character he's just a plot device pushing towards how the others are being how the others are treating them well if we didn't have that one line about the and the poor young man would bury his face in his hands where it twisted it from him just being a wallpaper satiric look at poor class being mistreated to us now associating our feelings with him this this piece would have a much different feel even even with how funny the narrator is we needed to associate and feel for Akaki in order for us to have this revelation of, of this being not necessarily about Akaki, but about people like Akaki, people who are mistreated and how we need to help and take care of our fellow man. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it just the story is very like not mundane, but it's just very simple story. And then it kind of takes this absurd end. But I think he's trying to drive home that point that the important person is the one that's to learn the lesson here. And it took somebody's death in order for that to happen. Right, And that's why he comes back to haunt them, right? In the same way yeah. that Scrooge was haunted by the ghosts and he was the important person. We, It's almost like the important person was Scrooge in the story, right? Yeah, exactly. But I guess it's Akake who is, he's so insignificant in life uh, that it takes his death for him to actually be important. Yeah, and we saw how at work he was like replaced immediately the next day. It's yeah. for sure. Just another cog in the wheel. Just replace, another, replace, replace. Yeah, the bureaucracy is going to spit you up and chew you out and not care about you. And hey, we got this great story, The Overcoat, to talk about that. <laughs> I felt like something like that too. Like if, if I died, there would just be some sub in my classroom the next day. Like life would go on, right? <laughs> A couple days later. Oh, okay. Well, he's yeah. gone. He's gone. Well, <laughs> all right. Well, you are irreplaceable here on the Codex Cantina. I can I can definitely say that. Let's move into our ratings. Okay, our personal subjective ratings. We've done a lot of analytical breakdown in terms of the cog, the bureaucracy, fate, old versus new. A lot of great stuff happening in this piece. We really, really enjoyed it. In terms of ratings, I'll go first this time. I'm going to give this a 9.5 out of 10. I was torn on this one. I feel like that on one end that I really enjoyed this story. And I would give it a solid nine because I thought that it was very well done. I love the twist at the end. But I think that if you don't know a lot of Russian history and literature, it's going to be tough to pull some literary gains out of this. And you're going to have to do a lot of research and, and know a lot. Maybe you get the vibe and, of the things that we discussed about the differences in people's lives and the hierarchy and all that. But I think it would take a lot to get that. So for the analytical, I would, I would go, I'm going to go low, like maybe a six, unfortunately. All right. Thank you so much for joining us on today's discussion. If you like literature discussions and breakdowns and interpretations like this, please consider hitting that subscribe button to join us on the journey. Una out. Peace.